Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the Three and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the Three and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Ryan. May have noticed something a little different, <laughs> folks, in that intro, which is that <laughs> producer Michael, for the first time in three-plus years, will not be joining us. We Every time there was an opportunity for the two of us to The streak do a is over. The yes. streak is over. We're like, no, no, we can't do it. We need producer Michael. We're, we're nothing without producer Michael. Uh, but now, now is our moment, right? We've been waiting for a long time. Where, where we can talk about Gen X things and not worry about losing Michael. Yes. Uh, we're going to lose him as an audience member for this one very quickly. But yes, um, we can talk about early 90s. Was that the best Saturday Night Live cast ever? Farley Sailor, <laughs> those guys. Maybe uh, Celtics-Lakers rivalry. Break that down. <laughs> I don't know. Cover the Clinton administration, maybe? We yeah, that. you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we could discuss if, you know, is the Saved by the Bell considered 1980s or 90s? I'm not sure. It's right at the cusp there. Are we talking about uh, Miss Bliss or the uh, the later later gang there? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I think either way, though, he's going to put Bruce or Michael will still have have his uh, his dulcet tones uh, bringing us in, uh, even though he's uh, has more important things, understandably. So we can't wait till he gets back. Uh, yes. But we will move forward. We will go forward together. <laughs> Back to say about the bell. That's great that you brought that up. <laughs> well, no, we had they had that eight. They had an eighties. They had this um, fundraiser, like a banquet or like a sorry, an auction at my kid's school, and they said that uh, it was an eighties party. Now, I guess number one, I feel like there's been eighties parties since like nineteen ninety three, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we were in high school that um, in the in the mid to late 90s, some of our like kind of mentors, uh, you know, the Bertha guys, they, yeah. they had an 80s party when we yes. were like juniors in high school. Yes. So there's been 80s parties going on for like Perpetually. 25 years. Like, give me the 90s party, St. Teresa. I heard it was a great <laughs> party. We actually got sick because the whole fourth grade is sick. So Will got sick and me and Kim got sick. So we didn't go, which I'm bummed about because it seemed like a great party. But... We were gonna go as Zach Morris and Lisa Turtle, the couple that should have been. Kim and I were gonna go, <laughs> um, but then when Kim, yes. when Kim, well, I, I thought afterwards it could have been, it should have been Screech and Lisa, but I was like, I'm not going. Come oh, on, I'm not gonna go. Yeah, Screech. that's I'm a not tough gonna go full yeah. Screech. Uh, but <laughs> people call. were like, oh, that's 90s, not 80s, and it, and I get it. I mean, it was really its heyday, early 90s, but it did start in 89 with the classic cast. You know, I think. Uh, Mr. Belding definitely had some 80s looks going on there for a while. What Did you shoot your hopes, hopes and, dreams? and dreams? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Did you read uh, Klosterman's book, The 90s, about the. No, culture? I haven't. It's on okay. my list, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, Did you like really it? Really good book. But now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think you talked about Say by the Bell. So maybe that was a shortcoming. Come on, he, man. he did not claim it for the 90s. So. He lives in Portland, there. by the way. Did we? Oh, we, I think we talked yes. about that, right? You yes. might be your neighbor. Is that what we well, he doesn't live we too far down any, the road. We haven't done any research on this. <laughs> yeah, no, but he, he was told if you're a Timbers fan, you live in the city. If you're a Blazers fan, you move to the suburbs. So he moved to the That's suburbs. <laughs> so he did what he was told. <laughs> if you if you're if you're a Blazers fan, you try and live within ten miles of Kenny Carr, and then that's, uh, that's the qualification <laughs> right there. So you come to the West Side, or maybe you might be West Lynn, but you're yeah, you come to the Burbs, uh, and that's where you uh, you root, Play, root them on. Plays uh, his golf out of Quail Valley. I saw him out there one time. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he plays wait, other places. Wait, but... Chuck Closterman or Kenny? Carr? No, Kenny Carr. <laughs> Kenny Carr. <laughs> that would be quite a that would be quite a force up. Kenny Carr, Chuck Klosterman, he love. <laughs> oh man, that'd be great. Who needs a fourth? Yes. <laughs> I guess we should probably talk basketball. Or are we going to stay, stay in the eighties? 
No, let's do it. <laughs> well, of course, uh, the season, the season, we're two weeks into it. And since we last talked, we did have a, a very significant trade that went down. The uh, Los Angeles Clippers injected poison into the organization by trading for James Harden. Uh, in his first press conference post-trade, Harden identified himself as the system, saying he is not part of a system, but is the system. Um, the system. <laughs> wow, oh, man. He may be a system. It is the caliber of the system that we are calling into question, considering his recent playoff failures being a malcontent with three organizations now, and of oh, course man. his declining abilities. <laughs> so uh, we we expect the poison to spread quickly through the organization. Uh, some will start lying to Harden about flight times and bus schedules. We'll blame it on Steve Ballmer calling him the liar of the West Coast, and he'll demand a trade by February. So stay tuned. <laughs> oh, man, it's coming. Oh goodness, he yeah, it's Harden's like gone back from Windows ninety five to MS DOS. How about that for an old <laughs> reference, D Love? Nice, well done. Try to figure that one out, Michael. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a risk. I'm still amazed that Daryl Morey is able to keep getting like I don't know assets or things that other people want for these guys in these situations. I mean, he got Harden um, and then he moved Harden. Now he has some, the pick from the Clippers and some other things there. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think you, you summed it up nicely. I think it is interesting that both teams at super early, both teams are like both, I mean, headed into tonight, obviously the Clippers lost to the Knicks in Harden's first game, but they're both in, um, the top five, 10 range in terms of both offense and defense. So very early, you know, four, five, six games in, but they're both, they're both performing. Um, and obviously everyone's pointing to Maxi, how, how great he's been. Um, and I think that's, has made a big difference, but it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, do you think the Sixers, I mean, he's got to make another move, right? At some point between now and the trade deadline, you'd think, or, or not? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think happens from here with the Sixers? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if Ubre is going to be uh, that that guy. I think you need a little stronger fourth. Like Tobias Harris. So you got your big three. Uh, Maxie's obviously having a great season. Um, but yeah, I think you need some surrounding pieces. I mean, Boston has has probably looked like the best team out of the gate. So you got to try to stay with them. Milwaukee, some more question marks, but got to think they might be there uh you know as uh, as an elite team in the in the east so yeah i think you want to you got you got to fill it out a little bit it's uh it's a little short on enough uh firepower to to make that leap i would think but what i don't know what 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 kind of how do you think Mori can pull pull off a, a deal here to fill the gaps yeah it'll be interesting to see cuz he's put himself in a position where he has that Clippers pick, which people will want. And obviously people will look back to when he got that Toronto pick years ago and then ended up using it in the Harden trade. He got it for Kyle Lowry and it was sort of a uniquely structured pick. So I think he will, he will make a move at some point. I mean, he, he's bought himself time between now and the deadline to do that. I just would be surprised if he didn't try and upgrade, but he's sort of, he's either wants cheap sort of talent that doesn't cost very much, relatively speaking, or he wants, even these guys he got from the Clippers cost a lot because they maxed the salary with Harden, but they're not, um, they weren't the reason to the deal or he's looking for a star level talent. And I just, again, that's, that's a big ask. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens um, with there. I was speaking of the other teams in the conference <laughs> in Milwaukee. So is it a good sign when the second week of the season, the coach says, my players convinced me already that the way I was doing things was wrong. <laughs> I think or is, they, that, is that a bad thing? I guess the worst thing would be to keep doing the same thing. Uh, so it's not the worst, but is it? Is it, it's, is it one of those things where you at first like, oh, that's great, and it's oh, okay. <laughs> you know? It is. I think it's the second worst thing. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
I know it reminds me a little. Go go ahead. <laughs> no, I think the the campaign to bring back Stotts is gonna be happening soon. I, <laughs> I think. Like I just don't think there's many situations where we see a young coach who is like tentative and makes some obvious blunders, and usually that is that's the sign that um, it's not gonna it's not gonna last. Like I, I don't feel like there's many guys that recover from a bad start. It's like we just we just we find out pretty early if they are suited for the job or not. So. I mean, I don't know. Dan Campbell, I thought, <clears throat> was not going to last very long as Detroit Lions head coach. Uh, I thought he was one of the worst at, at, with clock management. He seems to be doing a little bit better. The team is winning yes. now, so it, yep. it can be done. Um, but there's a lot of Josh McDaniels out there, too, who seem lost from the beginning. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that story about McDaniels? No. <laughs> so... Um, Antonio Pierce, who is now the like the yeah. uh, temporary head coach, who replaced him after yeah, he was fired. So, so, this is Jay Glazer reported. I just love this story so much. Just, oh my gosh! Uh, so, yeah, you know, all the players hated McDaniel's. It was a you know, there's a lot of issues. He's just like we, you're saying, alluding to, he's not a good coach. He's just um, there's a lot of problems, and so he decided, okay, let's let's have a team meeting with the players and just open it up and they can be like kind of you know vent their anger kind of clear the air and all, I guess all the players just ripped on McDaniels oh, how much they like <laughs> it's like the old litigator trick is never ask a question you don't know the answer to ahead of time so it's like <laughs> you're going to clear the air you want to make sure you have at least a few voices in there that are going to support you so like no one supported him and so he's like Okay, Antonio Pierce, assistant coach. Why can you stand up and just talk about our our team and what we're trying to do here, and just kind yeah. of like stand up for us, basically as a coach? <laughs> Please he's help say, like, me. Help and me. so he, he got up. He started talking about the 07 Giants and how <laughs> they what he played on, and he's like, we had an attitude with the Giants. We could beat anyone, even if we didn't always perform the best. You know, we beat the Patriots. Um, and we need to have that attitude here with the Raiders. And everyone was like super, like, that's great, we can do this. Let's do it. And then McDaniels <laughs> took took him. I don't know if it was in front of everyone or took him aside and is like, you never talk with the Patriots like that again. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow, that is that is great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just it's just I don't it's just, I think these guys live in such cloistered like a cloistered world it's like such a unique world and they they get they get um they they get reputations that are just not based in reality and in part like going from assistant coach to head coach is a big jump but like mm-hmm. mcdaniels did the same thing with the broncos and i think it's sort of and then he took the Colts job and then left i mean he just doesn't seem like um he seems to have the people skills of his boss and just doesn't have the his former <laughs> boss that doesn't have all the the knowledge and everything right um well, you know, <laughs> well, i was gonna say you know it's a it's a, if if the owner is willing to eat like 86 million dollars or whatever it was right <laughs> like because i know even if you know however much money the davis family has I don't care how rich you are. You don't want to eat 84 million unless you think your coach is really, really, really bad. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, Lombardi? Well, no, I mean, Lombardi just made the point that, you know, there is no system in New England. Belichick is the system, which obviously yeah. explains why they're struggling right now and how great they were for so long. Um, I think Mark Davis is funny because he just won a title with the a back-to-back titles with the Las Vegas Aces, and they're, like, legit – like dynasty he went out and like hired becky hammond to coach he got her from the spurs to come paid her higher than any other um uh any other coach in the WNBA history he um he built an amazing practice facility that they have i think they use their themselves which was very unique among um WNBA teams at the time like kevin pelton who's a seattle storm former employee was writing this piece about kind of and it was clear the focus of the piece was supposed to be the storm because they're like a woman-owned uh, 
you know, WNBA team and they had been working to get a practice facility for years. <laughs> but then most of the stories about Mark Davis is like, yeah, we built a nice practice facility for our team. <laughs> and they just did it. And it was just like, I don't know. It's like, you can't say he's a horrible owner when he's won back-to-back titles. He's hired the best coach. Just take what he's done for the WNBA and try and play at the NFL, yeah. Mark. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, it's like, and I think he did that and he came back and, you know, maybe it was when uh, McDaniels, um, publicly announced Kelsey Plum and Darren Waller's uh, impending <laughs> wedding when they had not announced it. Oh. You know? <laughs> so that was uh, that was a step too far for Mark Davis. He was Biden's time because he knows yeah. where his, his bread is buttered. Um, but I, yeah, I just think the Adrian Griffin thing is so strange because it's like, I, I, I think if you take, it's sort of like, I mean, coach player, particularly the NBA is more like uncle, to nephew or maybe older brother, younger brother dynamic than it is to, you know, parent child. But if you tell your kids like, Hey, like, can you give me some input on how you think we should be doing things? And if it's like, you're doing something completely wrong and they call you out on it and then you change, that doesn't win you as much respect as you think. Yeah. <laughs> it's like- I mean, like you, you can do that stuff, but you have to do it from a position of strength where you already yeah. have like the, where you've earned right. the respect of the players. Like I remember right. uh, when Patino was the coach for the Celtics and they just kept losing and losing. And Red Arbach was like, Hey, you ever notice that in these timeouts, it's only you drawing up plays. It's only you talking. You're not seeking input from players <laughs> And it was like, so, so maybe there, there is a place for that, but it can't be out of like, uh, coach, you're doing everything wrong here. That our whole <laughs> defensive philosophy is crumbling. It, we actually had a good philosophy last year. Why don't we go back to that? That uh, That's not what the, the Red Arbok had in mind when they were talking about proper, getting proper input from your players. I do want to say, I just feel bad that for Belichick, that Harden, Harden stole his line because it would have been great to have a Belichick press conference moment where he said, I am right. the system. I am the system. I mean, exactly. Not we're on to Cincinnati, but you know, <laughs> another good opportunity. On to the Knicks. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me a little bit of when I was uh, in my very uh, brief football career in high school. where We lost a lot more than we won, but we were in a very, my senior year, you may, I remember this, even though you were, we're there, but they uh, we played this really good team in preseason, and it was a really close game. It was surprising. We played Campy, and it was like we were down to the last minute, um, and we were driving down. We're probably at the thirty yard line, and we needed a touchdown to tie the game. Um, went to the side, you know, incomplete pass, and then went to the side and talked to my coach. <laughs> he looked at me, and he's like, "It's your call, Annie. You call the last play." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Thanks, I think." <laughs> that work out okay no No. (laughs) so the other extreme i did i I, I ran four verts i didn't even know what that was called then four verticals that's the the classic air raid uh mike leach play so i did call the right play but i okay i threw it to john persage (laughs) a little high for him which was not (laughs) wasn't that high but you know (laughs) but it was like this is what this is what uh, you got to go to your top receiver. You got to go to yeah, 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 exactly. Right, Van Gordon, Fromhart, ten on the backside. There's somebody open. I need to hit him. So um, the the other extreme to this though is the uh, now late Bobby Knight, who uh, oh, passed yeah. away just last week. R.I.P. Uh, although everybody, when you talk about Knight, everybody used the word complicated. Uh, he, <laughs> no, he was, right, right, right. He was a genius, a brilliant basketball mind, an innovator. And a bully and yeah. uh, misogynist, a few other things. Yeah. Uh, but but I did see a clip where it was back in the early days of him coaching Indiana. I think it was like you know mid or late seventies, and he was like, "If you come play for me, there, there's no democracy here. Uh, we play. You know, you're not going to tell me what you want to do because I've I, I've forgotten more about this game than you will ever know." And he just <laughs> you know, had the military background as well. The general. Yeah, yeah, it was the Robert, general's Robert way. Montgomery. Yes. If he wanted to tell Coach Krzyzewski to never shoot, then Coach Krzyzewski would never shoot. I mean, there's no getting around it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy with Knight because 
I mean, two just two thoughts. One is he had. I mean, where's Isaiah rank in terms of the best players of all time? Like top 30, maybe? Like he's up there. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. And of that, like that 80s generation, he was in that top right outside Magic Bird Jordan. He was right there. Mm-hmm. So he had him and they had Bird for his freshman year. And then he yes. bailed to go to Indiana State. Like you think about that. Like he had, like that's how peak of his powers he was in terms of, you know, he was getting great players and he was, it was just, amazing and i and i did read i mean in terms of just tactically how he approached basketball is that you know he ran the motion offense which is falling out of style for good reasons but i did really like he talked about he he really wanted he didn't want to have plays called he wanted to like have his team like move and like like it wasn't like he was trying to control uh the game from the bench he he wanted them to play which is like it's so strange mm-hmm. that someone with his personality type, how controlling, how angry, how bullying, all the things that he did, but he wanted his players just to play mm-hmm. um, and just to play in rhythm and know here's what we do, but it's like read and react. It's sort of, it's smooth. It's sort of musical. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, go look at the bench every time you're playing. It's like, get out there and, do what you need to do like he was definitely mm. like i'm not going to call a timeout i'm going to let them i think that's when alpha well, hit his winning shot I don't uh know. keith keith smart hit the winning smart shot. hit the yeah, shot you're against, right, you're right. against syracuse 87 yeah. yeah he didn't call uh, a timeout. yeah he was yeah. famous for not calling yeah. the timeout yeah yeah so yeah, it's kind of just interesting i think so that's like the talent he had that like that was his approach and then i i just think like late 70 basically from like I mean, 76 was the undefeated team somewhere in mm-hmm. then until like he coaches. Well, I guess until that title in 87, like that 10 year period is just like, cause he coaches Jordan and the Olympic team. Right. 84. And and that was the weird thing about him is it wasn't like he went on there and was like, I'm going to show Jordan what he needs to do. You know, he, he, yeah. he, he like in these certain ways, he, he's sort of like Popovich with like a much bigger anger, with major <laughs> anger management issues, yeah. you know, and just, um, but it's like this like ornery, but also like recognized brilliant to me. Yeah. Mm. Maybe it's just going back on the complicated thing. Um, well, Jordan used to call him, you know, they'd say Dean Smith was the master of the four corner offense. And then Jordan used to say that Knight was the master of the four letter word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was, there was one kind of cool story. I mean, the famous story with Knight is when he told the Blazers to draft Jordan, of course, yeah, yeah. play him at center, play yeah, him at center. Yeah. And he said, no, yeah. Uh, but uh, in the Olympic gold medal game, I think whoever they're playing, they were like crushing their opponent. And at halftime, Knight didn't want them to get too complacent. So he decided he was going to go after Jordan. And so he was like, you know, and Michael, I mean, of course, Michael was having the best game and was going to, you know, dominate the yeah. whole tournament. But he's like, Michael, how many damn times do I have to tell you to set a screen? It's like you're the only guy that doesn't set a screen, and he just like lit it to Jordan. And Jordan kind of it was kind of tongue in cheek in a way, uh, but yeah, I guess yeah. like Jordan had said or Knight had said about Jordan that he did everything so fast, and so Jordan had a retort, which was, "Coach, you said I do everything so fast. I- I'm setting those screens. You're not even seeing them. I'm doing so fast." <laughs> you know, it was more a little moment of levity, but uh, no, yeah, totally. but that run. I mean, Texas. Or excuse me, Indiana basketball is like Texas high school football, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And Knight was kind of the 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 face of that for a long time. I mean, wasn't wasn't Hoosiers and Gene Hackman's character at least kind of loosely based on? Yeah, yeah, on yeah, yeah, totally inspired by. Coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More passes, like all the stuff that he he got him to do, and um, yeah, it's just like such an interesting. It's just like it's, there's definitely I wouldn't necessarily even say comp. I would just say there's some counterintuitive or there's some things that just cut against his that are surprising about him. Um, mm-hmm. There was a really great story on Twitter where because um, he was a from Ohio actually he played Ohio State like yeah. on their Jerry Lucas NCAA team title team. that yeah. yeah that won a title he was like the sixth man and he was a huge and like I guess Guardians now uh, baseball fan and he. Um, so he there's there's a an author wrote a book about like the Larry Doby Satchel Page um Indians at the time in the late 40s and um 
you know, it's a popular book, etc. And I guess um, someone gave it to Knight, I think. And so then Knight actually um, called him or wanted to talk to him about it. And so, um, and the author talked to him and it was clear, this is, this is relatively recently. So he had gone through like his um, sort of losing his memory and all the things he was struggling with at the end of his life. And so it was kind of a tough conversation, but the, um, but the friend, the person who had given it tonight, the book said, called up later and said it was really special because like you have trouble remembering day-to-day things, but then he would go and read the book to him. Like mm-hmm. when he was like, resting or sick and he would like night would immediately like flash in and be like mm. remembering these things that happened that season and like oh, right. all the intricacies of it and it was like yeah. this is a little moment that we can you know sort of share with the friendship yeah. like it wasn't before so yeah it's just like yeah this is interesting guy man so yeah someone did point out and by the way i know michael would have like uh reeled this in a long time ago to get us back to talking about it <laughs> no this is the 80s this is the 80s come on this is the, this is this is this is jen Oregon trail right here man. but someone yeah. said it was sort of the, the the cruel irony for knight to suffer from dementia and for so many years because uh he was someone said i i've known two coaches who had like perfect recall of they could remember every game that they coached like a photographic memory right and uh and, and knight was was one of that i think dean smith was actually the other who yeah. of course also had a, a form of dementia too so yeah uh, sad. a little tragic tragic twist of irony there but um yeah and then yeah it, the 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 relationship with coach k was really complicated too i mean oh yeah even just so the moment the day that Shashevsky passed Knight as the all-time winningest coach in college basketball history, Knight was in attendance. Uh, I think he was, I don't know if he was doing the game or just showed up to to pay his respects. Um, but after the game was over, he went up to Shashevsky and he said to him, he said, not bad for a kid who couldn't shoot. And uh, you know, you know, he's just trying to be kind of lighthearted <laughs> stuff, but Apparently that pissed off Shashevsky and he he said to like his assistant, you know, he goes, I could shoot. He just wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I think, it's, yeah, there was a lot of guys like that who he um, I mean, right. Steve Alford was the same. They had a falling out for a period of time. Um, so like he, oh, he, he was he was loyal boy. until oh boy yeah, yeah. If, he, if he felt that someone crossed he treated him. he treated Jordan amazingly just like Popovich right. treated Duncan that way and then yeah um you know Knight treated his less talented players like Popovich treats island reporters <laughs> so <it's the> same. <laughs> just bully bully him all you can right. um, out of sub like. Oh, this is I'm fighting the man here or something, doing something great. Yeah. I mean, Neil Reed, all the different players yeah. who went things through with him, and he just had no accountability. And yeah, anger is a deeply corrosive thing. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting. The coach we talked about before, I think, yeah, like Coach K, his relationship with Knight. And it's I mean, that's probably the other like of modern basketball really modern basketball that's probably the the second most important lineage besides the like you know Naismith Fog Allen Dean Smith's assistant mm-hmm. then he eventually coaches Jordan um George's legacy Roy Williams you know his legacy college level it's like mm-hmm. the Knight Shashevsky relationship just because Shashevsky you know what he built at Duke and then what how he kept maintaining and growing it by kind of going with the times in terms of recruiting and everything and the Olympic coaching. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. such a key key relationship. But that's definitely sad that that, you know, through that they um they lost it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. then there was his relationship with Bill Parcells, which was not complicated because they were just like exactly the, the same person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think parcells was like his when night coach at west point he was like an assistant for a year are you serious yeah oh my gosh and they were you know best of buds and i just remember hearing the story once where their game was over and uh someone someone was heckling 
Parcells or Parcells may have been defending Knight because he was some this this person was obnoxious and at some point Parcells goes up to Knight and he's like, "Hey, we need to get out of here. I just assaulted a guy, um, and we got to get out of here before the cops show up." <laughs> that kind of I mean, you know, Knight. That sounds about right, right? Yeah, I mean, Knight uh, accosted a a police officer in Puerto Rico and was uh, convicted of the charge and abstention, like. You're right. Like he never went back. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's that's a great point about Parcells too. It's like the same, just that competitiveness, that obsession with winning, that like not really caring. Like they just don't care. <laughs> I mean, the funny yeah. part what she's asking me is he actually did care enough that he didn't want to like he wouldn't let the the demons out kind of in right, public right he could exercise he would, self-control yeah he would definitely laugh i mean if you if you read his lips during timeouts he'd be cursing his yes, team he'd right. be cursing out big time but it wasn't he kind of always stayed I mean, we joked about it before but he always took a, a step or two behind night it's like i'm not yeah. gonna go that far yeah <laughs> i'll just be in this spot i'll just kind of dovetail off of him um yeah it's so crazy um well, I was thinking Krzyzewski, a coach in the Olympic team, his relationship with LeBron. Did you see, we talked about before we jumped on, but his comments <laughs> about how the heat, what was it? He would he would have stayed in the same, he'd be in the same spot same even spot. if he never went to Miami. <laughs> yes, yes. It was a <clears throat> lengthy, uh, I don't know, you call it a rant or not, with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, personal pronoun uses to talking about himself and um it was it was just one of those just kind of typical LeBron moments. Child that, star, yeah. Child star, Child star yeah. <laughs> Acting out, yeah. Yeah, I think he just really he he he's always been so worried about his narrative and like the story of his career and wanting to be the like it um, just to kind of bend it in his direction and. He doesn't need to do that. Like, I don't think anyone looks at, I don't think anyone looks at the heat decision and is like, I don't know. He bought himself the titles. Like he, they won, they went to four finals. They really barely won two, two titles. It was like scratch and clawing. So he's won two titles, two different teams since then. Like <laughs> he's the only one that really cares about that. I feel like it just gets under his craw that like, yeah. Just that that's part of his story. Because he even said in the thing, I found it interesting. He said that he could, he tried to get people to come to Cleveland, but he couldn't do it. Like he almost felt like it was like um, there was some regret around going to Wade's team and like how that. Mm. But he was desperate at that time. He was not, he was not right. like you, you saw him in the 2011 when he struggled against the Mavericks, but you know, he'd done everything he could. He was completely dominant and he couldn't get over the hump against the Celtics. And, you know, they lost the magic. You know, it was just, it wasn't, it was not a good place. So it's definitely a revisionist, but I think he's the one who cares the most. Him and Riley. <laughs> I think Riley put the that uh, slogan, the heat culture slogan on the court just to, just to get under uh, LeBron's skin. <laughs> oh, yeah, we decided I mean... to launch it on the day LeBron comes. Big surprise. <laughs> Well, is he saying, I mean, I don't, I, I just don't know if he's saying I still would have had four, he, he can't say I still would have had four titles because he was acknowledging that, uh, you know, it wasn't happening in, in Cleveland. So I, I, yeah, I don't quite know what exactly what he's saying there. Um, his, we know his stats would be just the same, but that's like an obvious, I don't know. It just seems like he's sort of stating the obvious and uh, no, no, like no one's arguing. No one's, no one's yeah, saying. No, one can, no you're 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 the one bringing this up. Like, it's yeah. so, no one is like. I mean, he must have heard a lot of stuff in the past, and obviously, I mean, I think that's what's fascinating is is. Um, I mean, LeBron's forty, almost right. He's it's his twenty first season, so he's 39. like late thirties, almost thirty nine, and so it's a little different than he's a. a Speaking of eras, he's an older era, at least by a few years, than Taylor Swift. But it's like they both came of age in this, like, where there's the constant feedback. I mean, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, we didn't have the iPhone when he was a rookie, didn't have Twitter. Um, 
or you know Twitter was very early at that point. And so um but they've both like been in this like they're constantly in this discussion like with the nar- cultural narrative about themselves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's but I think it's just really hard it's 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 one thing for a like a musician and pop star to deal with like can manage that because they can just mm-hmm. like create their own narrative um I mean they have to deliver and create music people love but it's mm-hmm. like LeBron has to win games and it's like that's not you can't just go sit in the studio for three months and bang out. Now Taylor Swift can write songs like almost no one in terms of popular music, but um, it's just an interesting thing where there's like this constant need to like speak into that narrative, even mm-hmm. when it's not something people were saying that before that he needed Wade and Bosch to win, but he did, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he needed them to win a title. So it's not yeah. like, at that point, I mean, that's why he went. Th- it was weird because he was talking about, oh, that's why I went there, and I and I feel like, like they won what they they had that winning streak. They won two titles. There's that. I mean, one of the things that will live on is that meme. I mean, I saw it. Someone put it up this weekend with the Huskies, uh, the Washington Huskies beating USC was the the meme of LeBron throwing up the lob behind his head and then running, and then like Wade coming in to slam it, and they're both mm-hmm. like staring at the camera. It's like <clears throat> that's gonna live on forever. I don't know. <laughs> Do you, do you think um, LeBron actually did what Durant did where he had the fake, the burner Twitter accounts, but he just got away with it, that he actually gets on there and he argues with trolls and, uh, but he just, he, he does it with a little more savvy than Durant. Like, do you think he's getting that into the weeds uh, with all this? Yeah. I mean, he might be the Krzyzewski <laughs> to, to Durant's night in terms of how he deals with that stuff. I mean, I think, He's on it enough himself. I mean, you saw how he got into it with Mike Malone. Um, I mean, oh, yeah. I am not a, as as we you know as, as as longtime listeners to the pod know. It's I'm not a huge fan of Malone the way he handles things, uh, but uh, obviously won the title. Um, decided to be the trash talker of the team, I guess. When Jokic is your star, he so much the voice. He definitely happily took it on. Um, <laughs> Uh, but then LeBron was passionate, aggressively talking about that. You know, it's just, it's just, he definitely, um, he doesn't own it in the same way. And it's, um, it's just an interesting thing. I don't know. I just, I just felt like that's just, I mean, it's kind of sad in a way. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, you're having an incredible year. You're 39. Um, and what you've done is incredible, but that's still, it's just stuff that still gets at him and yeah, probably gets at other people, other things like that. But it's just like, yeah. it's carrying out the narrative. It's like the narrative is what matters as opposed to just like all the energy into, into winning, which she obviously does too, but it's just interesting. Yeah. And it's, um, I'm trying to think, I mean, we, we compare LeBron to, to Jordan and Jordan's like whole, like, you know, Jordan's hall of fame speech was like, um, you know, my life, my whole career has been about proving people wrong. And right. But he was so, he was so open about it. It was just like, we knew he was this ultra competitive guy. So when we heard the hall of fame speech, it was like, well, that's just Jordan. Like we, we, we know that like he, he, he is who he is. Like there's a, there's, you, you can question the morality of it, whatever, but like there's an, there was kind of an authenticity about Jordan and, right. and LeBron, it's just kind of these here and there moments where he kind of reveals that he's been stewing over these things. So it, it's it's a little bit confusing and it's, sometimes it's hard to it's like hard to get a read on it. But yet we've seen this enough where it's like there's kind of this uh, insecurity or, yes. yeah, you know, that's that's underlying it all. And so it's 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 a little more. uh it's a little more perplexing than Jordan. And then you have like Curry who just compare in terms of accomplishments and Curry is the face of the league and, and Curry, it seems like we, we know he Curry also kind of has those things where he thrives on people underestimating him. We know that, but he doesn't, right. he doesn't have the kind of the mean spiritedness of, of Jordan. And he doesn't seem to have that kind of insecurity of LeBron 
to, right. you know, it's sort of a different, I don't know, just the thinking of those different personalities. It's interesting. No, it's a great point. And it comes down to caring what people think and caring about what that story is, what the narrative people are contributing to, remembering how people have said about you and really wanting that to be different. That really requires you to, you know, have other people change how they view you, which is, you can't really control, but he kind of wants to. <laughs> it just comes across. Well, I think it's someone like Kobe, you know, rest in peace, was someone that I think early in his career, um, at least in terms of like how he presented himself was someone who was like, he really did, you know, a little bit more LeBron-esque in a way in terms of like how he's perceived and like, he, and then, I mean, unfortunately, because there's one things he, you know, chose to do his personal life and the mistakes he made, I think coming out of that was part of it. It kind of propelled him to being more of a heel and more mm -hmm. like embracing that. But it definitely did give him, it seemed to give him a sense of um, peace in a way of like just not caring. And you realize mm -hmm. that is a really special, and obviously the fact that LeBron's been able to be as good as he's been and dominant as he is, like it obviously works, but it's just an interesting, it's just different. And I agree with you on the step point too. It's like, he's able to sort of, you know, kind of ease through that, like kind of split the difference on that in a way. It's really hard. I mean, I do think for Steph though, I mean, it helped that his, you know, and Kobe too. I mean, Kobe obviously had, to, you know, broken, I mean, everyone's relationships was hard with their parents, but obviously there was a, that was disjointed at some point particularly, mm -hmm. but his dad was still in the league and, obviously staff grew up in the league and so i do wonder for those guys if there's sort of an underlying like i don't know like i i belong i'm here i don't know it's just mm -hmm. interesting interesting to think about that and just how important like jordan's dad was to his his like competitiveness his whole i mean that's why he retired right i mean mm -hmm. you know if you don't believe the stern made him retire for his gambling and everything it's like <laughs> i he, do not he, believe that by yeah the way. i don't believe it either <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i still want to have the stern bio someone's got to write the stern biography oh yeah when, when is that coming i feel like that's it's... like a real so much you write a really like we gotta nominate someone yeah really go like Pete, not even Corrado. Like, yeah, <laughs> we need like a Halberstam. We need someone who writes about oh, yes. people, and they can come yes. in and just like they don't care. They're not trying to. They just want to tell the story because, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he like the really his you know relationship <laughs> with his dad inspired him. So I I don't know I, I um. So is the next guy? I just got to ask that we're going to psychoanalyze. Will it be uh, Victor Wimbanyama with? Uh... <laughs> The way he's that's a good no, that's a good transition. <laughs> I I um I just think the main thing to him about me for me sorry the amazing thing about Wimanyama from my perspective is how he's so comfortable in his own shoes. I feel like mm. that is really special, and mm. I think um particularly like with hindsight, the whole incident with Britney Spears. Oh <laughs> yes, happened, like yes. he didn't it didn't really bother him at all. Hmm. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know internally, but the way it was presented, it was like, yeah, um, yeah, man, that was weird. I didn't mean to do anything. Yeah. And he just kind of moved on. It wasn't hmm. like, which I feel like is pretty unique among like super tall. Like he's totally cool mm -hmm. being the main attraction, like hmm. wherever he yeah. goes. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, I'm good with that. I'm fine. No problem. And I think yeah. that's like, that's like Shaquille. I mean, Shaquille had the, million dollar smile and he wanted to be in Hollywood and all that stuff. So it's a little, I don't know Luminyama, what his, his future goals are besides basketball, but he definitely has that. Like I'm come from my own shoes. And you know, when you see guys that aren't like that, like Odin yeah. being the big, biggest example of someone mm -hmm. who was uncomfortable with all of it. Um, so yeah, we, what, what, what's your take so far? Uh, if you put on your counseling hat, what are you, what are you seeing? Let's, let's, let's analyze. Yeah. No, I think it's a great take. I think that's that's like the number one thing is because um, you talk about maturity as a basketball player, but the it's psychological maturity that really is like that's the that's kind of the foundation that you have to you have to have you have to be comfortable in your own skin that you have to be uh, not just like embrace the moment, but yeah, on and off the court, 
you have to have a level of comfort with all that. But I also think the other thing is um, you need that, but also to be truly great, you have to have that that killer instinct, the competitiveness, which yeah. so far I really see that. Um, yeah. Just how fired up he was to win that game where they rally yeah. and one by one point against the sounds. I mean, he was fired up like he, he, he wanted, wanted that. He really yeah, he wanted, wanted it. That yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I think if you're psychologically sound um, and it's it's early, so we we kind of have to see like uh, how he will respond to the, you know, whatever travails of life come his way. Like uh, Durant, we could probably said early on, oh, he just he just loves playing basketball. Um, and then he kind of morphed into this kind of bitter <laughs> man. And so uh, the the culture, the environment can um, it's it, it will all come to the surface. If there's some underlying issues, you know, it will probably come to the surface. But but I do think that the Britney Spears thing is is a really good example because he is just in the spotlight. And um, yeah, so so far, so good. And then it, with this game, like at first it seemed the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, he's he's more raw than I realized. Like there's you right. know, just some plays where he's, um, you know, he's he's doing too much. He should should be passing, be a little more patient. Um, yep. And that's why I thought the first game. And then I saw him another game and I was like, wow, he but he's also showing some polish at the same time. Like he's. um he's doing some really good things. So I think he will probably continue to show some rawness, but, um, but that, I think the, you know, that's going to be worked out pretty quickly. So I think the biggest question is just his fit, longevity if physically yep. with that yep. body, which we've talked about before, but is he, too, is he too frail um, to hold up? But um, yeah, hard to say. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I, I I think you're right on it. It feels like so far his competitiveness is right in the like right where you want it to be, where when you observe him at least just on television, it it appears that he yeah, he's very engaged. He wants to, he's like he wants to um you know, score, he wants to win, he wants to like win every possession. And if he's not getting calls, he's going to like, you know, he wants to get things going his way, but it's not like he's um, reacting in these ways that seem entitled at all, which is Mm. like, I think an amazing, he's definitely not the like, well, if I'm not going to get what I want, I'm going to give up sort of personality, which Mm. I guess if you're seven and five, you don't ever have to give up because you always have a chance (laughs) to basketball, do something. So. But I just I am still just impressed by like level headed competitiveness. It's a little Steph esque, like we've been talking about. It's mm-hmm. like I mean Steph gets a little bit more emotional. Honestly, we'll see where Mignama goes over time. But he'll get frustrated and, and lose it sometimes. And um, but it's still like again, it's like this competitiveness that's not you know necessarily um embittered of course give give him time he just started uh, i'm sure it's it's kind of the it's greg popovich it, of time he'll start to develop it <laughs> my uh my brother was talking the other day was talking about chet holmgren uh oh yeah yeah he he i think part of what we're talking about is the it factor and my my brother doesn't think holmgren has the it factor because he thought when he saw him play at gonzaga he was deferring to other guys too much and so um uh, interesting yeah. Uh, yeah so but i think that whole idea of the it factor that's what we're talking about are they psychologically sound are they competitive do they rise to the occasion is the moment too big for them and uh so far he seems to have the it factor totally and i i just feel like i was in that sun's game i was honestly the competitive edge, but also the footwork. He has like incredible. Mm. I know I, I hear what you're saying, like his um because he's so tall and long, it's a little bit just kind of takes a while to adjust. But I do think there's some there's some awkwardness in sort of his um like triple threat game and kind of gets to his shot and his spots. Um, but I was so impressed, and I think it speaks to Pop, which is tech tactical ability that he had um 
just a lot of those actions they run where it was like a screen a screen down and then he would flash or like yeah, to the back perfect, they could flash. Perfectly, yeah. Just great footwork on the flash. And everyone talks about like Okobi oh, was the perfect post player. He had all the great fake. And I and but I just felt like that ability to time your cut with mm-hmm. where the ball is going is looks easy, but like some guys have it and some guys don't. And he mm-hmm. definitely has it or has developed it because you know, if he cuts like that, um, because you'll talk about the lob because you can just throw it up to him and he can tip it in or do whatever he's gonna do. But I also just if you're gonna cut on time and with pace, it's like you he's gonna get the ball where he wants every time. Like there's yeah. no way to do that. Yeah. Um and I, and I like, think it, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. This is like the, it's the combination, I think, of of feel and skill at the same time because all yeah. that all that timing yes. is is feel. Yes, but yet you can tell that he's get, he's he's getting his reps and the fact that he does it in, in, in a polished like he, that he knows what move to make at the right time. But um, but then yeah, the timing yeah. comes down to the feel. Yeah, and his his team sucks. I mean, like there's no <laughs> way around that. They're not. I, mean, I like so Chad. You know, Vassell's been hurt. Um, there's not a ton there. I mean, Zach Collins has rebuilt his career, but it's not like there's there's no one that's getting him anything easy. Like mm. he has to work for everything. There's yeah. no one like if you put him on a team with Halliburton or someone, um, or Josh Giddy or any of these guys who are distributors, obviously like a Doncic or a Jokic, but that they're extreme. But even these guys who are sort of next tier down in terms of distributors and getting people shots, like mm-hmm. he would explode. It wouldn't mm-hmm. even be. I mean, heck, if he had Avery Johnson, you know, it's like <laughs> you know, if he had uh, you know Mario Elliott, I don't know. It, it, he hasn't. They just they're not. I mean, they got blown out tonight. It's just they're going to have games like that because yeah. the, the rest of the crew. Is going to go up and down, and yeah. Popovich and Buford didn't want to leave anything a chance. They wanted to make sure they got the most ping pong balls, <laughs> so they emptied the cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, uh, Vassell's a really good player, <clears throat> but he's just a one. To, I mean, he's he's an offensive player. He's not. Uh, yeah, no, he's really good. He's, he's not going to be compatible, but he's yeah. he's the guy at least can draw some attention away. Yeah, uh, as as a legitimate scoring threat. Yeah. I mean, and I know they invested in Kelvin Johnson. I don't, I mean, I think he obviously is, you know, um, their most accomplished scorer, maybe outside Vassell, no, Wimbanyama, but it's just, there's no one who's like, I'm going to create with someone else, even to the point that I'm going to have a two-man game with someone that maybe I won't get them easy stuff themselves, but we can sort of organize and run. I mean, they have Sochan playing point guard because, you know, they're building for the future. Just, which is smarter, but I'm curious to see, you know, what their what their moves are. Um, but I, that's a great point. I think it's it is that combination, the skill, the athletic ability, and um, and it was cool watching them against Durant because it was it was like, oh wait, like this is sort of this is who who he is really. I mean, a half foot taller Durant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that could be the best player ever. I mean, I don't, you know, like a top three player as opposed to a top 15 player. I mean, that's the next level up. And it was hilarious seeing them stand next to at the free throw line. It was just like, oh my gosh. And I hope, I mean, I'm really, we talked about before, I'm really happy that his people, he seems very thoughtful, very intentional. His, his, his parents and his agents, everyone working with them, obviously Popovich and Butte, like they just, I'm, really happy and, and you know they may shut him down at some point or put him on a rest but it's so fun that he's coming out playing he's competitive um it's it's great and i um i'm just yeah let's be fun to see how it develops from here uh, i'm gonna pull in one more bob and i quote that i heard the other day which was that uh this is like late 80s he was interviewed someone said what do you look for when you're scouting prospects and he said I start with a guy who's seven eight, uh, who runs like a deer, <clears throat> jumps like a gazelle, <laughs> shoots like Steve Alford. Remember in the eighties? Yeah. Plays defense like Randy Whitman again. Uh, Indiana Hoosier reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lower there. Randy but when I heard that, I was like, "That's not too far off from Victor." 
true. <laughs> and then he, of course, said, and then I just go down a little bit from there. And then he left off he, and had left all the reporters laughing uh, at that. <laughs> like, you know, oh, man. 30, it's 30 true, years man. later now. Well, and hopefully, I, I just am very hopeful that they're going to follow Nowitzki's mentor's advice and i don't i don't think we should expect him to like put all this weight i think he's gonna get mm. stronger mm. it'll get more resilient he'll grow he'll mature he's gonna get older but you know durant one of the reasons he went too was because he went to the pre-draft combine and couldn't bench 185 pounds right, once right. and everyone's like oh my <laughs> he's just not an athlete he's not he's just not an athlete and so um, but again, like Dirk's guys, like, yeah, please leave these guys alone. Let them, let them be. And I think that's going to be the reason he can, um, can have that longevity. And I think that's what they're seeing. Um, and it's smart. They're putting up the four next to Collins, like someone to, you know, you know, kind of bully people and protect him. But yeah, it's going to be fun to see how it goes. I mean, that's, he's sort of, I mean, it's a, it's a microcosm of the league so far. I don't know what your thoughts are, but these first couple of weeks, I mean, there's so much, I mean, it's 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 the chorus of people, Bill Simmons, others saying it, but there's like so much talent. There's so much competition. It feels like any night someone could beat someone and it feels legit. It's not like, oh, they were just, you know, resting their guys or didn't care about the regular season. The regular season, I think I saw someone today wrote, it's like the, or, the organic competitiveness has grown where it's mm. not just like they're forcing it. It's like, Mm. No, there's a lot of good players, a lot of young players. They all want to compete and win, and that's kind of lifting well, the lifting the boats. Well, and they all want to win the in-season tournament because oh, group play. There we go. Group we play go. has started. I feel like we we should have led with this. Adam uh, Silver, Michael genius. would have had us lead with this. I mean, the 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 reason we know it's the in-season tournament is because when we're watching these games, the way they've painted. The courts it, it's like if you feel like someone has slipped you some psychedelics or something because uh it's pretty funky the, the walton <laughs> memorial the walton yes memorial. gosh yes yes oh my gosh so all teams are invested nobody's resting <laughs> anybody right because yeah um, i mean both luca and Kyrie were, were listed as questionable but of course they were not going to sit them because everybody wants to farewell in the group play so they can go on to the next round which i don't know what that is called now and then the third round and you know and what do you get at the end for winning i have no idea just <laughs> exactly i mean a trip to vegas although they did they did uh they they added a, a bonus for the coaches as well so now there's like a head coach bonus they get the same mm. share as the players like 500 grand if they win it and there's a share to split among the other coaches and staff. So, uh, I mean, I feel like – I do feel like getting us to play in Vegas um, with the other three top teams in that tournament with, you know, at those arenas kind of doing the summer league thing in the winter. Um, presumably have a lot of people interested in being there. Just like being – I just feel like it's it's sort of like – the best parts of being a part of like an AAU tournament or the March Madness or even a high school tournament where you're all in the same place together, like a final four. I feel like that they can sort of figure a way to build that up even more. I feel like that's a motivation too, like okay. to be in that stay, hang out in Vegas with your team, trying to beat other teams that are good. That's, I mean, sort of wake me up when we get there. Cause I don't really understand. <laughs> I don't understand the rest of how, how we are going to get there exactly. Um, yeah, it just cracks me up because the guy who came up with this or like all the details of it, Evan Wash, he was at um, – he was a uh, MBA at the Sloan School when I went to that Sloan conference, and he was like helping put it on and stuff. And now he's um, – he interned for the MBA, and he's worked his way up to now where he's like coming up with – I guess court designs and, uh, okay. and tournaments, so, <laughs> you know, um, that could be you someday. Just uh, get into MIT business school. I was going to say, so what, what age, what, de what generation is he from where he tried psychedelics at a young age? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's like, uh, yeah, that's the echo hippie, right? Yeah. Um, right. 
I know we were watching this movie uh, called Flora and Son. It's on the Apple Plus, and uh, it's a really like it's a cool movie. It's by the guy who did Once, the movie years ago with like the Irish singer, and they record a record, and it's a really beautiful movie. Um, and all the movies are about music. He's a musician, I think. And um, this one's about like a mom and son and their dysfunction relationship. And then through music, they sort of find some common ground. And like it ends, not to give it away, with like sort of some music. And it was like, wow, that that actress was really, she was actually really good. Like you kind of didn't see that coming. And she was amazing. And you're like, look her up. It's like, oh, that's Bono's daughter. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. It was like, wow. Because it definitely, I mean, she's an actress, not a musician, but it doesn't, uh, yeah, it was like, it was, a, it was impressive. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a good, Florian Sun's a good, good one. Recommend okay. it. You need to, need kind of a sort of dramedy. Okay. Um, you know, maybe more on the drama side, but some, some good, good feels too. So. Nice. Did we cover everything? I think we did. I mean, Michael's uh, going to be back. So is there any other Jen? Producer Michael, producer Michael's going to be back. I think you noted a few times. Get us back on track. Yes, keep us on, keep us on topic. <laughs> I don't think we covered any of our topics. Um, you know, we talked a lot about dementia, so hopefully that's not where we're <laughs> heading exactly too soon. Um, the old tear on the pod, but uh, we miss you, Michael, um, and uh, and and Levi and the whole crew. So. Uh, um, but yeah, I think that's it for us. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3 and D Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit.